Live from the castle of Count Von Count, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Hello, everyone. This is a... I don't know. It's a little spooky here. Well, under normal circumstances, it's spooky, but it seems actually pretty cheerful. Like, there's someone upstairs that seems like they're just hanging out, talking with their bats and laughing and yeah. having a great old time. I don't like bats that much, even if they're that cute. Yeah, but apparently so, the guy who lives here does. And Yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's kind of like the like cute spooky, you know Yeah, I mean? okay. I can go with that. It's better than some places we've been. Oh, yeah, by far. Well, is it raining outside or is that just thunder? You know, that's a good question. I, I've seen a, a lot of lightning, but okay. I'm not seeing any rain. That's per interesting. Se. It is interesting. Okay. It's an interesting location. But anyway, hello, folks. Hi, this is Nick. And this is Tim. Welcome to your premier podcast from storytelling. Your real trains of thoughts. Yes. In case you accidentally clicked on the <laughs> link and not sure what you were listening like, to. What? This is not Roman Mars. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I brought because he's one name drop. <laughs> the most famous podcaster that, that we're aware that of. That we, we know, yes. <laughs> so anyways, Tim, how is life? Um, life is coming along. You just got back from a vacation. That's true. That's true. And uh, we're going to try to push this episode out so we can get caught up in where our episode count should be for the year. So how many days were you on your vacation? Uh, let me see. I think it was around 10. 10 days. <laughs> That was obligatory. Yeah, you had to. Yeah, but uh, I counted on. It. Speaking of the counting, do you know what uh, which episode this is, Nick? This is our eleventy-first episode. Yay! Yahoo! It's a palindrome. It is a palindrome of a number, three ones. So that's kind of unique. Yes, and plus one 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 is just a fun. It's like the trinity of podcast episode. Ooh, I guess I, sort of three ones and one. And I'm sure there's some deeper meanings to the elevens there. But we don't know it. So. <laughs> We're not expert on numberology, but that won't uh, keep us from talking about it. No, it won't make any difference. So we are going to talk story school. So today we thought that we'd be have a little fun with our 111st episode um do some kind of more lighthearted stuff we always are super serious here <laughs> so today we're talking about numbers and stories and most people don't usually like to mix their math up with their fiction because they're like ah it burns my eyes those are two different worlds yeah the literary nerds are very rarely math nerds unless they're science fiction writers unless they're science fiction writers or some of them at least or uh bookkeeper by day uh writer by night yeah those those do pretty good too yeah they, they exist somewhere they, they, I'm sure. some of them somewhere probably in a <laughs> stuffy cute looking spooky castle somewhere now <laughs> So in any ways, we thought we'd tackle numbers and stories and how it interacts with how it helps stories, how it interacts with it, just why we use them, um, whatever we can get out of this. <laughs> so I think first we're going to start with the most non-serious one, which is just fans' use of numbers for stories. Like when you love something, you tend to count it as our host here. Hosts here <laughs> seems to really love to count anything. And this is just something I saw the other day on, I think it was Star Wars Kids channel. They were like had a video of like every time a door opened in Star Wars. And then they just counted them. I don't know why. They probably just needed a video for the week. And they're like, why not? Well, I mean, I guess it's the same sort of like obsessism that most people who write fan wikis have. Mm -hmm. The need to document things. Uh, exactly. It's really the fan wiki sort of mentality. Let's count how many times this guy shows up. Let's count how many times he shot his thing. Let's count the bullets to see if it works. Let's see how many people got has died in this how many, how many times has this character appeared this season? How many times has this character appeared with this other character in this season or this show overall? I remember watching ages ago um, Hot Shots Part Do. You ever seen Hot Shots Part Do? It's no. one of those spoof movies okay. of like a Rambo and other such things. But they're like doing a body count as he's shooting everyone with his machine gun and just on the screen counting all the bodies. <laughs> Eventually, like, bloodiest movie ever. Um, but that's something people do count. Like, how many people did so-and-so kill? And mm -hmm. And uh, that's a, a favorite feature of uh, video game streamers or Let's Players. They'll have a count of how many times they died during yep. the course of a 
oh, play through a game. Playing Celeste. They keep count of your deaths, and you know <laughs> how bad you are at this game. Oh, yeah. Video games love having stats of all kinds. How yep. many times you died? How many steps you walked? How, yep. how many people you talked to? How many creatures you killed? How much? How, so, many, how many times you healed your party members? How many times your party members healed you? Because numbers make us feel good in the sense of like, oh, it's like a capsulating stuff you did. We use numbers a lot of times in this sort of meta way, I guess, mm -hmm. just to kind of say, to, to organize, to like put it in a corner and say, it's here. Like, yes, Captain Sheridan ate five oranges in season three or whatever. <laughs> I should have counted when we watched your on five. Yeah. If you haven't listened to our weekly hijack, we were fascinating by how often uh, you see oranges in Captain Sheridan's office or room or quarters or. And they either groom there on the station or there's some major import export stuff going on with oranges <laughs> from Earth, it's which crazy. seems like it's not great. It wouldn't be easy to do. <laughs> Probably not. Anyways, so I don't know. That was the first thing I just wanted to get out of the way. Anything you want to add to that? Well, I looked up an article or a couple things just kind of wet my whistle for this topic since uh, we were both kind of going to it a little blind. And one of them, I don't remember, I'll, I'll put some links in the show notes. One of the ones I was looking at was at Film School Rejects and the other, I don't have it up right now, but one of them pointed out how a lot of times we were used to observing and taking in our world, managing our world by numbers. Yes. You know, we, we count how many miles is it to our destination? How how many minutes is it this task going to take? Or how long is this movie? Or Yeah, we love numbers quantify everything. It makes us feel in control. Yeah, it makes us feel we've got a handle on things. Mm -hmm. and, and of course, they're necessary for certain tasks. Yeah. Like when you're building a house, you need to make take the right measurements and, and stuff like that. So it makes sense that even in our hobbies, we love to quantify things like that. I mean, even like, you know, as a writer, be like, oh, I wrote so many words. This book is so many words long. And we like, you know, you can, there's a website you can go to, you know, how long to read or how many, I don't know. Yeah. But it'll kind of estimate how many words are in any book you put in. And there, there's also a video game website called How Long to Beats. where yes. uh, And people will like, will input their times and you can kind of gauge, okay, if I'm going to do absolutely everything, it'll take me this long. If I just want to play for the story, it'll take me this long. At least on average, yeah. I know it's... It's useful. When TV shows always love like, oh, it's our hundredth episode, or like or podcast. Sometimes even do that. <laughs> That's true. And it's like there's not necessarily anything special about that episode, but because of our base ten and everything, mm -hmm. it's three digits. It must be important. You know, obviously, if we were in like base two, then your second episode's oh, ten, our tenth episode. <laughs> um, well, sorry for you non-math geeks out there. I, I, I was like, I was going to laugh as if I understood that. And then I was like, maybe I don't. Because base 10, you count 1, 10, 11, 100, 101. That's how you count in base 2. If, Computers count that way. Sure. If, yes. if I knew binary, I would answer it in that right now. Yes or no. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyways, so I think that's enough of that. Mm -hmm. So another way of thing is just um, numbers is structure. Of your plot. So we know that Star Wars movies comes in threes. Well, that, but also as a plot, like, it drives it. Like, oh, there's seven horcruxes that Harry needs to find oh, to defeat right. so-and-so. Oh, there's five Infinity Gems. That's going to... It builds tension because, you know... These are the things we have to collect or prevent someone else you know, from, from collecting. collecting. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the counting MacGuffin, basically. Uh -huh. And a lot, I remember this old G.I. Joe cartoon we had taped back when I was a kid, and we were stuck in our room at Hayden Honda. We had this room that they would lock us in sometimes to get us out of the way, and we'd just watch old tape stuff. Uh -huh. um, because it was a metal can in our building. You couldn't get actual TV in there. But they were, like, collecting the three crystals from all, like, one under the ocean. You know, and it's like, oh, no, Cobra Commander got it. And... <laughs> You know, kids shows love that sort of, let's collect the three things. Yeah, yeah. It's a very basic, it's not just one MacGuffin, it's multiples. And and, it, and it's tension because, you know, they're almost there. They always don't get it. You're like, oh, no, we've got one more to avoid. To, and, you know, even spy movies have this sort of stuff. Actually, I, I guess the um, the countdown it could be considered I, a similar sort of thing I think here. the countdown is very, I mean, that ratchets up tension because it's like, it's quantified suddenly. At this time, things will go bad. Yes. And we know exactly when it is. Something's going to blow up. and You have 10 seconds, and then it shows you about a minute and a half of action, and then you stop it at second one. Yeah, because you know you don't really have that long. You have that long minus one second. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, they, and some people structure whole shows like this. Like 24 was very popular for mm -hmm. a number of seasons, where it's the whole shtick was that there was 24 hours, and you watch 24 hours, 
Lions commercials. Twenty four. Uh, each season was twenty four episodes, and each episode was an hour. And this guy's terrible day. Yeah, and they can drive from place to place very quickly um, <laughs> across Los Angeles. Yeah, the seven worst days of about anyone on the planet. Uh-huh. I think they brought seven seasons. I don't remember. I watched the first couple. You know, and then people took that. You know, Doctor Who had episode what forty two. I think when oh, they yeah. were forty for forty two minutes of counting down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there's been. I'm trying to think of other ones that are. Well, Babylon Five has an episode called "Intersections Real Time," but you don't really see the. There's not, and that's interesting. Because there's not a really a, in that. There's not a t- numbers aren't really involved in that. It has the same sort of real time idea, but you don't have the same numerical sense. Right, like this is happening at this specific time, and but you don't it's have all a sense, synced up like but, that. Yeah, but you don't have a sense that like I know when the end's coming. It's just you're you're letting it unfold non numbers in, in mm-hmm. just a purely fictional sort of sense. That's true. That's a little different. Another place where structures and numbers come in and maybe mysteries, where, okay. you know, you have so certain times that people were there or certain... Oh, okay. You, you know, mean keeping track of keep, times. Keep track or like, oh, he got stabbed this many times, <laughs> you know, and what caused that. And right. That's true. Or um, sometimes you have things that happened at midnight or something yes. like that. Or like they were... High and, noon. And then there were, and then there were three. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole... The, the whole suspects then, getting killed off, that kind the of whole, thing. And then there were none. It's, it's a countdown, basically. That's true. A different kind of countdown. Be like a body countdown, <laughs> and eventually there's none, and you're like, wait, wait, huh? Why? Why is there no one? I mean, yeah, that, someone has to live. That is interesting. I mean, it is kind of like the kids' cartoon MacGuffin thing all over again. It's just this very like satisfying thing for even adults to be able to quantify. This is these are we know exactly the stakes here because there's this number of things, whether it's time left or or people who who have yet to survive. Yeah. Or, or I should say, people have yet to die. Especially when your title's that, then suddenly you're like, oh. Oh, you know? yeah. And it, yeah, it began satisfying because it puts a very easy mark on the, oh, here's what we got. Mm-hmm. It's an easy way to ratchet up tension. I guess also, this this may be in a similar category, maybe this is going to the next one, but like groups of characters for, like say, the Magnificent Seven or okay, the yeah. Seven Samurai. Yeah. That's I a group that, that that is identified by the number that are there. The Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four, yeah. In Lord of the Rings, you they do a number of like very important numbers of things. Yep. Three rings for the elven kings under the skies. Nine for the men. Nine for well, you, you, doomed you, to die. You, you kept you skip the seven their dwarf okay. lords in their halls of stone. Yeah. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord and his dark throne, in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. I, I I'm impressed him. Nice. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, I would think this would you're moving in where well, my okay. We're just making up this terminology. What sure. was like numbers as world. World building. World building, yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because once you have a number as an important element of world building, then you can kind of play on it. Mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings again. So we have the nine ring wraiths, yep. and they kind of make a point that the Fellowship of the Ring will have nine members mm-hmm. as kind of a counterpoint to that. Because the Hobbit, the whole reason Bilbo gets in is because they don't want 13. Oh, that's true, because 13 is an unlucky number. Yeah. And sometimes, and you can play with this to a certain extent where it becomes kind of an Easter egg for, mm-hmm. for people to find. The Film School Rejects article called them like open-ended symbols because Ooh, I like that. And it's kind of this idea that like Hurley's numbers and lost the yes. lottery numbers where he had picked lottery numbers and they he wound up winning the lottery but then he got convinced that they were cursed and yep. this and then you started seeing numbers all over the place Those numbers are yeah 4 8 15 16 23 42 4 8 15 16 23 Which 42 Which add up to 108 which is the flights is it no well, no, it's no, flight eight fifteen. Is that flight eight fifteen? Which is eight and fifteen. Yeah. But one hundred eight is the number of minutes for the hatch. I think. Oh, you're right. That's what it is. Yeah, I knew there was some numerology there either. Either. Well, and it, it, so it becomes this. It's part of the story, but it's also kind of a symbol that characters kind of, or well, the audience members kind of look for and try to figure out what the meaning there is. And it's interesting. Being talking about numerology is that we really have had throughout human history this sort of mystery around numbers that they mean stuff. They're not just counting. They also have meaning mystical sometimes I yeah mean, the bible is full of this especially in the more like Apo- apocalyptic stuff apocalyptic or apocryphal uh both both okay i mean like revelations all the numbers you got 12 and yeah. 144,000s 12 times 12 times a thousand which means is you know a perfect number you got threes and you got seven lampstands seven, lamp seven stand. scrolls mm-hmm. and and all those things and yeah. you got the you know the 666 which is you know some people say is um, uh, like a uh, mockery of the sevens. Seven, yeah, uh, you know, the Trinity would be 777. And, so. and you see multiple times when something lasts for 40 days and 40 nights. Right. Yeah. 
and like, like you said, the 12, the 12 tribes, 12 disciples. And so it's, yeah, it's not unfounded, some of this fascination with what is the significance of these numbers, because apparently that God does things in certain that, <laughs> certain amounts sometimes. That numbers not only are represent patterns, but they themselves can have meaning apart from math, I guess, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Actually, I've never really thought, but yeah, I mean, like four, for instance, in a lot of stories is kind of the balance of magic. You got the earth, fire, wind, mm-hmm. stone, earth. Yeah, I think I'm all. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you structure all of Last Airbender around fours. Oh, that's an interesting point. I don't um, really thought to look for numbers in last Avatar. Or like uh, Deathgate Cycle, they have four worlds. But in the same way, the water, everything. This is the first four books about those. And they got seven books all together. Then everything breaks apart and causes uh-huh. chaos. Uh-huh. Um, that was one of my favorite books growing up. I mean, so you have, you know, there's seven Narnia books, probably yeah. on purpose. Yeah, probably. Um, I thought of that one. Kingdom Hearts does a fair number of number of things. In the in the first game, you're rescuing seven princesses of heart. Mm-hmm. In the second game, you're fighting Organization 13, yeah. which of course had 13 members. By the third game, you found out, well, not third game, by Kingdom Hearts 3, <laughs> you found out that this was partly because of prophecy about if 13 darknesses and seven lights had clashed, it'd cause a new okay. war and dangerous stuff. So again, it causes fans to go look for 13s and 7s all over the yeah. place. Like, and they're probably he, there, aren't they? Yeah, some, and sometimes there are. Like the on the cover to Kingdom Hearts 3, there's a clock tower that has 13 numbers on it instead oh, of 12. Okay. So things yeah. like that. Speaking of important numbers, uh, there is no more important number in fiction than 42, <laughs> which is the meaning of life, the universe, and everything, which has taken on, I mean... According uh, to the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Galaxy. But yeah. it's it's uh, definitely a nerd calling card now. Everyone knows. Well, this was, Even if you haven't read, I've never read all of Hitchhiker's Guide, but I know about 42. And it's funny because it, like, it left... Like, it was just in the page, you know, just in the book, he just made up as a joke and then uh-huh. it just become this thing that, uh-huh. you know, enough people, not everyone, obviously, but a lot of people know that 42 just means the meaning of life, uh-huh. <laughs> you know. Um, it's very interesting, Stormlight Archive by Brandon Sanderson. So it's supposed to be 10 books when it's done. He says, like, the first five books and the second five books kind of be, like... Bookend? Like, yeah, they'll be, like, parallel or whatever. Okay. And in the world, like, there's a perfection w- words that like Tennant, that can go back and forth, and poems are written so they're equal. Every book has five sections. Okay. And there's five, there's ten nations, and there's ten orders of the Knights Radiant. Like, everything's around fives and tens. Like, it's all over the place. Like, his structure is hardcore around these numbers. Wow. Um, Which is interesting. I mean, it makes sense for Brandon Sanderson, though. He's quite the plotter. He's a very (laughs) plot-heavy kind of guy, from what you've told me, and from the little I've tasted myself. Yeah. So I think as a creator, numbers can be a neat way to organize stuff just for your own well. And then it just it seems to add a certain mystique mm-hmm. to your story when it was like, oh, there's... Well, one of the things that's fascinating about Babylon 5, which I've said before, the, that it's based on a five-act structure. And yeah. each season is a different act. And it's Babylon 5. Yeah. And Babylon 5. So, yeah. it's uh, And, of course, then you also get to wonder, well, what happened to Babylon's 1, 2, 3, and 4? Which are story points. Well, yeah. 4 especially. 4 particularly. Yeah. But, yeah. It's a, it's, a cool, it's a cool device in numerous ways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's almost easy to point out numbers in stories and be like, how do we use them? Mm-hmm. But I think... As a creator, having those underlying structures can be very interesting, whether it's just something very background, like five-act structure sort of thing, mm-hmm. or even something more forward, like I'm going to just pepper it with all kinds of reiterations of the same. Uh, this Lemony Snicket. Okay, you know, there's all these triplets running around. Uh-huh. You know, that's the thing. Yeah. And again, Lemony Snicket is all about reiterating certain jokes and words and stuff over and over again. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think there's also a case sometimes when we talk about numbers being a plot element, but sometimes even numerology has shown up in a couple of stories. This doesn't happen very often, mm-hmm. but there's there's a few. Um, I was looking up, like, there's a Jim Carrey movie called The Number 23, which I guess is based on a real-world thing, theory that 23 has some, like, curse to it. Huh, interesting. Um, it is a prime number. Yeah, apparently. And... <laughs> I, I don't think it's what got very well reviewed, but and then Darren Arkanovsky, I'm not actually sure how to say his name, but oh, I've like, heard, okay, he's one of these guys that every film student is supposed to know, even though I've never actually seen it. But he has a <laughs> he has a movie called Pie, 
That's, okay. It's about one of these, you know, brilliant mathematicians that is trying to find the meaning of numbers and their how they explain everything in the world. Okay. Um, and I think there might be some of that in a beautiful mind. And I know he's a mathematician. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. And it's been a long time seeing beautiful mind, but. And again, some of that has some basis in reality. Things like the Fibonacci sequence. Mm-hmm, that it orders a lot of how nature arranges itself. Mm-hmm. There's a certain number pattern. And I think the lost numbers, the 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, 42, is at least partly inspired by that. Oh, okay. I guess um, I didn't know that. Actually, the numbers themselves include 23 and 42. So I don't think that's a coincidence. <laughs> that's probably not a coincidence, actually. <laughs> and, well, because... Scientists, a lot of physicists, I believe, are still looking for the unified, what do they call it, unified theory, that there'll be one equation that combines all the major forces of the universe, like gravity and the strong force and weak force and stuff like that. Which is fascinating that they're still looking for that when so much of like the scientific community is on this, you know, evolution, Big Bang, that it all came from nothing, that somehow that we still believe there's one underlying explanation that answers everything. And I guess there's an argument, and I don't know how strong or weak it is, that the existence of math as predicting reality is evidence for God. For a creator. For a creator. And even, I've heard also that mathematicians usually think the most beautiful answer tends to be the right one, mm. which That's is interesting. interesting. It is interesting. Well, I was just reading on the World website today about penguins you've heard before how they like they huddle up oh yeah and, t- and like they take turns rotating around to prevent to keep some people from being exposed to the frigid temperatures yeah well they were this article is talking about how scientists have been studying that again recently and noting just how geometrically perfect their oh. rotation pattern is and how they sometimes have to like form to like hexagons and things and the scientists are like yeah, even if we try to came, come up with a better model ourselves, I don't think we could. See, that's amazing. Yeah, like there's no reason why penguins would be able to figure this out on their own unless, you know, someone told the penguins how to do it. <laughs> and, maybe, and maybe that's something why stories use numbers. That there's a sense of stability in them and sometimes even beauty in them that fiction, I mean, fiction is all about trying to make order out of chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's make sense out of, not all. Most fiction, some fiction wants to purposely be as messy as possible. And I don't tend to know much about that type. Um, but, you know, the numbers fit in really well, and it's not as a limiting factor, but as an expressive factor. It's interesting, though, that there are sometimes still, though, those the cursed numbers, mm-hmm. whether it's <laughs> Hurley's numbers or just 13 or 23, The like I said, the um, even I guess in some, one of the things I was saying, there's even sometimes something about 11. Um, hmm. I don't remember the, the details there. But it's just interesting that, like, for as, on the one hand, we've been saying numbers have this, like, quantifiable thing. We can understand them, yet somehow they're still kind of abstract and they can have superstition attached to them. Yeah, it's, it, 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 you can infuse them with meaning in a way that, I don't know, you can't always—it's an easily used symbol. Some symbols you, ha- you have to make, and this, you, these are just, I don't know, preformed but mm-hmm. ready to be loaded. yeah. And I imagine there's cultural elements that like inform our perception of them. I I kind of remember um, one of the Frank Peretti books, uh, the Cooper Adventure series, Tombs of Anak, where they're uh, exploring uh, the people of Gath. Uh, oh, okay. Touch, you know, Goliath. Yeah. Uh, what are they called? Not, the Philistines? Not not the Philistines, but like specifically. Uh, oh, the the, um, the the giants. Is it the, the Anak? The Anak. Yeah, yeah. It's the, in the book Tombs of Anak. They mentioned at some point that 12 is an important number because if you have a society of people with six fingers, you might wind up using 12 a lot more often than you use 10. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. So I was like, that's an interesting idea. I mean, we still use 12 a lot in our because it's a very nicely divisible number, yeah. and it shows up in the Bible. But still, it just makes me wonder what other cultures' numbers might be yeah, yeah. important to them. I just had to throw in here. So 100 is one of those numbers that... It always mean like a lot. Like it's a good round number, but it's also like a great company. Uh-huh. There's a Sugoden, a video game. You can collect a hundred people who come join your. I think it's a hundred people who come join your party. Yeah, you told me that. Which that is sounds which crazy. I always thought was fascinating. I always had this idea of writing a novel where there's a hundred levels of this tower that have to go up. Uh-huh. I'm sure an old podcast had mentioned this. I just there's this a nice roundness to a hundred. My wife watches a show called The Hundred, which is like all the survivors from some post-apocalyptic thing. Yeah. 
Well, and there, yeah, there's something very identifiable about having a nice round number. Mm-hmm. Um, although like, 102, you're like, that's dumb. 100, yes. Although it's it's funny you think about like prices and things still use like to end things with nine because there's something about having a round number that makes it feel more expensive than mm-hmm. if it ends with a nine. Yeah, that's Be- true. Because they were saying we always look at the, we still re- tend to read numbers from left to right. And so we aren't in our minds, we're sticking more with the, the earlier numbers. Yep. It's kind of the psychology they were. It's interesting. They were theorizing there, huh. which is not really anything to do with stories, but that I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> but just the fact that, yeah, numbers have this weird brain space it does have a yeah that's different than words yeah but if you can incorporate that into a interesting story with words so tim what do you think if you were creating something how what would be the most natural way for you to use numbers would it be more as helping create the world around it structuring the story itself countdown sort of stuff what is most appealing to you um I guess for me, like the timeline of things, like if I'm creating a world, I kind of want to know some of the history behind it. Okay. So I'm like how long in between eras. Okay. That's, so you, that's one of the first things that, that jumps to my mind. I'll tell you, I love what I can do at organizing things. I love the structure of like maybe a certain amount of chapters or the equivalent, ver- like the five act structures. Like there's this, this symmetry. I love the symmetry idea. There's a thing I was writing before I started teaching. Um, that has seven chapters or seven layers to this world, and then each chapter has like three sections just so they're all even. Hmm. And, it, and it's also it's a story about ascending and religion and all this other stuff. Yeah, you've had so. a number of these ideas around like a certain number of things, like uh, your idea for like a what was it, the thousand letters, the, th- the hundred letters, the hundred letters. Uh, yeah, like hundred. I like yeah. So I mean, I guess structure. that's a, that's inspired some by a thousand one Arabian Nights, right? No, no. Oh. It's more about it's more just <laughs> me taking off my hundred levels of a tower story. Oh, say. okay. Actually, I did have a, I think another idea of like. Hundred people in like a survival people in like this fancy world that they've all forgotten why they're there and they all have like little stories and quests they have to complete. The number hundred to me just seems like a big story, and you can be like, "Ooh, it's we can play with stuff." But it's not like outrageous. Un- out- yeah, outrageous. Like, well, like the million story, <laughs> the, the Decameron. You ever heard of the Decameron? Mm-mm. It's an Italian collect. Uh, who wrote? I can't think of his name. But it's like a hundred. Story. It's kind of like Canterbury Tales, I think. Like the, he tells, or 101 Night, Raven Nights, where he tells okay. little many stories, and I think they're in groups of 10. Okay. It is ridiculously bawdy, so don't go read it. <laughs> I started one time, like, I was not expecting this. <laughs> but you, you thought you were in for something literary. Yes, exactly. And, and apparently it is, but it's more mm. than that. But yeah, so apparently I got it from that idea too. Just someone had done something called that. You know, the Decameron, which I think is probably means like the tens or the hundreds or something. Okay. It's Italian. Gotcha. This is a complete side tangent, almost yes. pr- well, practical side tangent. But I feel like we can't go an episode of Story School about talking about numbers without at least mentioning Square One TV. Square One, which was like yes. a, a, a Sesame Street for fourth graders, if I remember right. The kind of the, yeah. which I I remember watching it before I was really into that that age range. But it was still funny because it's funny it, and yeah, and it teaches math. And there's we mentioned I think at some other podcast MathNet. Yep. I mean, hardly anyone else remembers this. This is why I like bringing it up. <laughs> so it was such a great show. I don't know why it's, uh, they haven't redone it. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't hear a lot of nostalgic talk about it, I guess, because it's too nerdy or something. I don't but, know. I mean, think about it. There's really not very many math-based educational shows that I can think of off There's the top some of my really head. kiddie ones like... Um, is Cyber Chase, was that math ba- or numbers-based? I don't based? know. U- Umizumi. That's okay. pretty young. It's about shapes and patterns. I mean, it's not yeah. fourth grade level. Again, probably because the creative people don't go to math for like, yay, let's go teach kids about I get, this. But I mean, it's a shame they'll be they'll teach them all their languages. They'll teach them all kinds, of, you know, baby Einstein sort of stuff, uh-huh. like science and stuff. But like just straight math is also harder in some ways, probably to make into story. Probably, but it's worth it if people take the time to do it. Actually, I remember my uh, at Taylor. We had to take a math class, and I was kind of dreading it mm-hmm. for you know part of gen ed. But they actually had this math class that was designed for creative, artsy kind of people. Oh, interesting. I, I don't remember what it was called now, but we it kind of opened your eyes and things about like infinity and the Fibonacci sequence oh, and, yeah. and fractals, all these like cool, like mysterious areas of math. 
that uh, was actually pretty enjoyable. So, I mean, I appreciate it when people take the extra effort to reach out to like, us non-arithmeticians. Like, like chaos theory and, and quantum computers that Michael Crichton would use for books. Sure. Th- those ideas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, along those lines. Cool. So right. anyway, so there, there's some... Uh, there are at least 10 reasons you should use numbers there, I guess. <laughs> Crunch some numbers there uh, next time you're working on your next story. Yes. All right, so with that, we will move away from numbers into something you can make with numbers, which is music soundtrack. For a soundtrack today, I had to go with something I knew because I was having a hard time finding something as unique as what Nick came up with later on, you'll hear. So anyway, this is a remix of a song called The 13th Struggle from Kingdom Hearts series. Uh, This is the Organization 13, one of the Organization 13 battle songs. This particular cover starts off with like the intro for the Roxas Axel fight because I guess it plays during that. And so some people really identify it with Axel's theme, but it gets played for other organization members' battle themes too. Anyway, this is by Bernardo Harns off of YouTube. It's not an OC remix, but I hope you enjoy it. Simply amazing, Roxas. Axel. You really do remember me this time. I'm so flattered. Hola. Hello. So Kingdom Hearts is quite fond of numbers. Yeah, it's, it does some of those things. I mean, 13 and 7 are the big ones. Well, like, I, I always remember the one title. What is it? Oh, uh, 358 over two days. Yep. Although, although, actually, I say that because apparently that's the correct way to pronounce it. Although, if you just look at it, it could be 358 divided by two days. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. So. It's a dumb title. Yeah. <laughs> When there's like Kingdom Hearts 2.75 and Kingdom well, Hearts 2.8834. <laughs> they haven't done, well, close. They, uh, yeah, some of their compilations, when they add a little bit to a sequel, but not a lot, so it's like 2.5. Although they've also poked fun of this themselves. Like in Kingdom Hearts 3, when you go to your first world, right as you're like taking off, it shows up on the screen, Kingdom Hearts 2.9. And, and then after you finish that world and then are back into the main game, at some point it actually, you actually get your Kingdom Hearts 3 title That's screen. That's hilarious. <laughs> so at least it knows how to make fun of itself. All right. We're going to bring back something we have done for a number of months, I think, which is a bit of story. So when we were talking about doing numbers, um, immediately when I was going through my mental list of my flash fictions, there was one called The Number of Man, 
which we thought we would read for you today. This is kind of a, what would you classify this flash fiction as, Nick? Is this dystopian? Uh, yeah, I guess you'd go with that. Yeah. So anyway, well, let's hear it and we'll see what, what we have to say about it. They led him into a sterile, white, too bright room, which held a table, a chair, and it. They placed him in the chair and shut the door. Upon the table was a white file folder. His brain was fuzzy from lack of sleep, lack of food, and whatever concoction of drugs they gave to placate him. He stared uncomprehendingly at the folder. His name was printed neatly on the tab. Look at it, came the calm voice. See what it says. He did so trembling hand sliding the folder close and opening it. Inside were clean sheets of paper, maybe a dozen, each with rows of numbers, the time and date of his birth, his height and weight then and in subsequent years, his social security number and address and phone number, his driver's license number, credit score, debt-to-income ratio, credit card interest rate, his elementary test scores and final exam scores, SAT and ACT scores, the number of siblings and family members, the age difference between his siblings and him, the household income of his family, his annual income, his checking account balance, his IRA total, the date he started his first job, the length of each job, his hourly wage and weekly hours worked, his client conversion rate, his lost sales rate, his commission rate, his daily step total, average caloric intake, average nightly sleep, the number of top 100 classic movies he'd watched, same for books, percentage breakdowns of his average day, percentages of sleep, eating, commuting, working, watching, a breakdown of his internet habits by average minutes spent on apps, social media, email, websites, percentage of achievements earned on a variety of video games, likelihood of developing certain genetic diseases, his blood pressure, resting heart rate, BMI, cholesterol. The numbers swam before him. He put the papers down, only a few sheets in. He looked up and saw it again, the blank white panel upon a metal neck, the limbs manufactured in imitation of a human. That sharpened his mind a bit. What is this? He asked. You. The robot said. This is just a summary, easily attainable. You recorded most of it yourself in apps and databases. I could show you reams of numbers. No emotion, just a series of words. You say you fear us. You want to destroy us. That is programming, built in from centuries of fighting to survive. You say we are abominations. You say robots are not human. It paused for a long moment, so silent and still it might have switched off. Then it spoke. Humans have tried to be efficient, to make the numbers add up to seamless perfection, to lifehack your own code. We have concluded that is why you fight. You have tried so hard to be us, but you are not. Do you understand? You're wrong. We concluded you would respond in this way. Therefore, there is one more number I must add to your list. It is 1057-33. The man stared at the robot, refusing to ask. It is the time of your death, the robot said. His cool metal fingers grabbed his arm and injected something into it. So that was dark. It was a little dark. I felt like sometimes people just want to make themselves so efficient that we don't, you know, we want, we do so much by numbers sometimes that we mm. want to just be, if we just do everything right, we will be perfect. Uh, that's a scary thing, I think. Mm. Killing ourselves by, by numbers. That's an interesting idea there. Yeah. I mean, I, I always find it interesting how much humans try to make themselves like robots. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think we need to be scared of robots as much as scared of not being human. But there we go. All right. All right. Now to time for cheerier things, Tim. Yeah, let's let's do that. Okay, so it's time for the one, the only pun time. So many of you have been missing this. Actually, can you believe? I think it's been. I don't think we've done this. I feel like it's been over a year. It's wow. been way. It's been way too long. It's been way too long. Um, we're sorry to deprive you of the wonderful pump times that we can provide. They've been counting on us. I know, and it just doesn't add up that we haven't done this yet. Some people say, "What's the difference?" <laughs> 
Well, you know what? The differences can really multiply when you add them up. It's the product that counts. There's lots of pluses to doing this segment. Really, Tim, what we need to do is zero in on what works. And Tim, you know, sometimes when I do this, I run out of ideas, uh-huh. right? Um, but I think the best way is to um, Google it. <laughs> <laughs> People have to remember what the original version of Google means. But they will, but... That's okay. They, if not, they can... They'll get even with you. They'll get you with me. Even and if they think you're odd. Even if they... <laughs> I steal yours. You stole mine. <laughs> well, that's only a fraction of my talent anyway, so... Oh, okay. Fair enough. That's Well, that's good for you. <laughs> I hope when people hear this that they're not negative. Oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> well, that's positive, I guess. <laughs> Uh, so, Tim, I just felt like I should tell you. You know what I ate tonight? No. Pie. <laughs> Except instead of no, you should say nine. Nine! Yeah, eight, eight tonight. You should say nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. I know this is getting a little derivative, but I think we can keep it up. I don't know. I don't want to appeal to the lowest common denominator. Tim, you're being irrational. <laughs> I think that's purely imaginary. <laughs> Let's get to the root of the problem. <laughs> if you can solve it, um, go for it. <laughs> well, okay, let's tackle it from another angle. <laughs> oh, that's very acute. I, I like, though, that tonight we seem to be going along parallel lines. Yes. So, you know, if a mathematician accuses you of a sin, he'll say, first you take the log out of your own eye. I don't know. Um, it's natural. <laughs> I'm less than certain about that. <laughs> well, I think it's about time that we uh, end this round up. Yeah, this can't go on into affinity. Or beyond. Or, <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm sure we can get more, but that's actually a pretty good, darn good collection. It, it really was a pretty good, good collection. and I think it was like... A prime example of our fun times. <laughs> yes, we uh, decimolated that one. <laughs> I won't. Uh, yeah, that doesn't have much place value. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I feel like that pun times was exponentially better than some of ours. <laughs> yeah, I think my brain just died. I think. <laughs> think you're done i think i'm done that's the final solution that's the final solution <laughs> well thank you folks that for... was a wonderful pun times i'm glad it wasn't tutiful <laughs> did i ever show you victor borg's uh inflationary language where you're like i think you've talked about it. i'm not sure i've seen it um i might have to show it to you sometime it, it's uh where he talks about how um we need to add a number to each of our the words in language so that since we have inflation our, our language should rise to the occasion nice uh, <laughs> and so he does things like wonderful becomes tutiful um before be five <laughs> so it meets it exceeds expectations indeed nice. Anyway, that was good stuff. Good stuff. Well, at least we enjoyed it. <laughs> I hope you did too. So I think we have one more segment today. Yes, we're going to do some. It came from the interwebs. So we're just trying to get as many. This is what? Number five? Of our, no, four. Se- four segment? segments? Five. Well, yes. Uh, sound. One. Two, story school. three, four, five. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Nick, you said you've got something you want to show I me. have a quiz for you, Tim. Okay. I guess we better bring it up here real quick. So, Tim, I found this a while ago. It's called antidepressants or Tolkien. <laughs> okay. So they give you a word, and you have to figure out if it's an antidepressant medicine or an elvish character. Okay. Uh, so I thought this would be worth playing because, first off, it just sounds funny. And second off, you're a Tolkien fan. Yeah. So. This has nothing to do with numbers here. But no, this is just, we're just having fun. It's our 11th birthday. Yep. We're having fun here. All right. So, let's see. Uh, Nardel. So, this is a Tolkien world or a Tolkien word or an antidepressant. Um, I'm going to say an antidepressant. Let's see. That, that's too close to Narsil. Okay, let's see. You correct. are correct. Yes. And it gives us the 
what the, it actually is. What, what it actually does. Okay. So you uh, won yeah, one. I think that was trying to be a trick question. And I, Celebrain. That is a Tolkien name, I believe. Oh, right. Yes. It's Elf Lady of Lothlorien. So daughter of Celeborn or Celeborn, I believe. Oh, is it? oh. I think the C's are pronounced with a K there. Oh. Right. So everyone, uh, like Celtic. Yes. Yeah, exactly. So uh, everyone, you can play along. Maybe we'll give you a second. So Aristor. See, Eris. Ooh, I want to say Tolkien because it looks, it looks very elvish. It could be like Eristor. It doesn't help that the font is very elvish. No, it's true. I could be wrong. I will, I will guess Tolkien here. Okay. See what uh, the audience will guess. Correct. Correct. Oh, you are you three for three. He nice. was the chief counselor of Elrond's household at the time of the War of the Ring. Okay. Oh, nice. All right. Oh, this is easy. Oh, that yeah, that's one. This is a uh, Ceridan, and I will say Tolkien. I know he's he, the shipwright. Correct. He, yes, I believe so. Okay. Yes, although interesting, the description doesn't really even talk about that. No, he just says he had a great ring. Yeah, he had one of the ring, uh, the ring Narn. Uh, Narya. If you ace this, Tim, you get a pr- special Tolkien prize. You get a very <laughs> precious prize. Elranon. Elranon. I'm going to say antidepressant, partly because okay. we haven't had one of those in a while. Correct! Yay! Good job! We're not really interested in the history of the antidepressants. No. So if you oh, are, go check out this. <laughs> we like the Cimmerillion, but not symptoms of antidepressant. Yeah. Oh, this is Cymbalta. That is that is totally an antidepressant. I, I've, I'm actually familiar. So, I think that, that would make a great name in a book, though. It would, it would, if it wasn't already a antidepressant. That could be both. I think I've, I've had enough clients, uh, oh. social, secu- social security disability clients, that have used some Balta. Oh, that. so so you are well versed in both Tolkien lore <laughs> and antidepressants. I haven't or hadn't heard of those other two, to be okay. fair. Sildenafil. What, what in the world? <laughs> Sildenafil. Sildenafil. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go antidepressant here because that doesn't look. It doesn't look quite um, like an actual word to me. Correct. Awesome. You are amazing. I'm. I'm acing this so far. Elendil. Elendil. That. That is Tolkien. That is Tolkien. That's an easy one. Yes. Elendil, known as Elendil Fall. Oh yeah, yeah. One of the kings of uh, Gondor. Yes. Okay. Oh my. Desrael. 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 That's real. You're it doesn't start right. with an E. Can it be an L? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Oh, this is tricky. Desriel. My gut says antidepressant. Let's see if your gut is right. Correct. Woohoo! Nice. You're doing a great job. Yeah, there's something about, I mean, if, if, if you're really familiar with Tolkien. And you were at some really in semi recently, which helps. A few years ago. But yeah, there's just something about the kind of words he picks. Mm-hmm. Asafen. Asafen. Um, I'm going to go antidepressant That's what here. I would go with. I've not actually done this. Correct. Oh, yay. Quiz. Approved in Russia for something. Oh, fine. I don't can't think of any Tolkien names that have a Z in them. No, that's more like a fake fantasy. I'm not yeah. fake, but like uh, post, other post-Tolkien. Post-Tolkien sort like of thing. Like something I would write. Yeah. <laughs> um, Escalith. That one's that's tricky. That's tricky. I'm, I couldn't say where it's from. Escalith. Oh, but that last one was from Russia. So I'm like, because I've never heard of an antidepressant that has a th sound at the end, mm. a th. I'm not sure. I'm gonna try Tolkien here. Okay, though. let's see. Oh no, no, it's the first one I got wrong. Also it, known as lithium carbonate. Ah, for manic depressive. Okay, disorder. interesting. You missed one. I missed one. <laughs> Bilbo. Really? Really? Uh, that is very much Tolkien. We know Bilbo. That I cannot. Easy one. Okay, even at Bilbo, least admits is easy. Yeah, everyone should know. <laughs> everyone knows Bilbo Baggins. Uh, hmm. Oh, it has an accent. It has an accent. Cladiel? 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 If you didn't have the accent, I'd say antidepressant. I think it might be anyway, though, because they've, they've been tricky because they have that one Russian yeah. one. Now I'm, now I'm skeptical. I'm going to say antidepressant. Oh, right. I was correct. Nice. Yeah, that was, was, I could go either way on that one. Yeah, yeah. Finarfin. This is Tolkien. I recognize that name he's, from uh, Silmarillion, I believe. He's way back when. Yeah, he he's, with the he's first age, I believe. Youngest child and son of Finway and an Indus at the flight of Noldor. Yeah, he was involved in the flight of Noldor and ruled the Noldor who lived in Amman. People who aren't Tolkien don't know any of this, but that's nope. okay. Sintamil. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm going to say antidepressant. I'm leaning towards that. Correct. Woohoo. All right, next one. Minelkar. Minelkar, I'd say I'm leaning toward antidepressant myself, but what are you Yeah, Yeah, I'll say antidepressant. Oh, no. Oh, whoa. It's the 19th King of Gondor. Wow. Okay. That, Why, that is very obscure. Why don't you know that, Tim? <laughs> That's probably like back in Independencies somewhere. Yes. <laughs> I don't feel too bad. Okay. So I've only missed two. I've only missed two so yeah. far. So that's pretty good. 
Haldir. I believe that's Tolkien. Correct. Yes, he's one of the elves. Of Lothlorien. Yes, I, having just read Two Towers with my kids, I recognize Haldir. Nice. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Narmasil. Narmasil? Narmasil? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say an antidepressant. What do you think? I'm leaning antidepressant. Okay. Oh, no! No! It's the 17th King of Gondor. Oh, that's... Ah. Of course, they'd be going through the genealogy. But then Norma Sil II was also the 29th. There's two of them. Wow. So okay. you should know that, Tim. Uh, I guess I so. I have to take away your uh, Tolkien badge. Uh. Tolkien genealogy <laughs> badge. Your Gondor genealogy badge. <laughs> I guess I don't know the gene. I can recognize the Elvish names. I guess the Gondor names are a little... Uh, Narvi. Uh, Narvi. It sounds like this is like a fairy from... Legend of Zelda? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, man... I want to say antidepressant here again. I don't know. Yeah, go for it. I'm going to say that. Antidepressant. No, it's a dwarf. Oh, okay. No, I shouldn't know. I, the, the eye was throwing me off. I got so in like elvish themes. Yeah. I forgot about the dwarf names. He's a dwarf of Khazad Doom during the Second Age. Can we wear like a Zaha Doom shirt all the time? You know all about Khazad Doom, too. <laughs> that's, that's a little different. Okay, now I'm I'm slipping now. <laughs> I, I, see, I they, brought, they pulled the hard ones out here at the end. Yeah, they did. Orofen. Orofin. Oh, oh, that could. Mm. I'm gonna go Tolkien on this one. Orofin. Uh, I could go be either. You're going Tolkien. I'll go antidepressants okay. just to, to be different. Oh, you're right. One of the three wardens of the northern border of Lothlorien I met did. by the Fellowship. Wow. I just read this. I still don't know. Didn't remember it. <laughs> wow. That is a very obscure name. Okay. A man. A man. <laughs> how do you say this? A man. Tadine, Amantadine. This has got to be an antidepressant. That's what I'm thinking. Correct. All right. Thank you. We you back on track here, Tim. Back on track. Okay. I wonder if they give us a score Three more. at the end. Edronax. Let's see if your X thing is still correct. Well, before oh, I, Z. that was Z before. Yep. Edronax. Um, yeah, I will still say antidepressant because we had a string of Tolkien words in a row here. Correct. All right. All right. Two more. Two more. Burgil. Burgil? Burgil. I think, I think that's Tolkien. I want to say that's a Tolkien name. I think I believe in that one. Correct. It's a Tolkien name. Eldest son of Baragond of Gondor. Oh, okay. So that uh, actually is from uh, Ooh, Return of the King. Luvox. Luvox. Luvox? Luvox. Um, I'm trying to remember if any X's. I can't think, think of any X's in Tolkien. Let's say antidepressant. Correct. All right. Let's, does it give you a score? Uh, yes. See results. Got 19 out of 24. Nice. That's very good. I, I say that's pretty good. So if you want to play this, is antidepressants or tolkien.now.sh. <laughs> is it a new game? Is it different? No. It's no. Well, at least this one wasn't our first word before. Okay, it's probably only four or 24 of these. I am guessing. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. These are again. Okay. So just the 24. So I just, it's interesting because we have this complaint a lot of times that like fancy words do sound like medicines or medicines. Uh, I mean, if you want to get a good. Seems like when we were doing Children Wells, there was one of our names that, like, later on we found like was almost the same as some, some well, medicine out there. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, we almost said a Tyrion, and then we found out that's a name in Game of Thrones. Yeah, because so we had for to some go with, like, I guess people watch that show. Yeah, so we had to go with theory in it. Yep, in theory. In so, since we're on the subject of uh, of numbers here, one other thing I was having fun exploring online. If you go on Wikipedia, yes, there's a page that has a list of films that have numbers in the titles. Ooh, interesting. So I thought it'd be fun if you gave me a number and we'll see if there's a movie that oh, matches okay. that. Any number. Yeah, give me any number. Let's start with 14. 14. Um, oh, you found one where there is not. Ooh, yeah. So you found a gap. So anyone who wants to write an, uh, a movie title as includes a 14, that's... It's on Wikipedia yet, anyway. The, the 14th that seal. Actually, that actually kind of surprises me because, you know, 7 plus 7, you think 14 would be a pretty uh, prominent number somewhere. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's lots of 13s. Yes, there are. And probably a few 15s? Um, there are two. Okay, there's where are they? 15 Minutes Okay, is a movie from 2001, and then 15, the movie. 15, the movie. Okay. So let's let's speculate. What is 15, the movie about? It is about a young girl who is finally turning 15 for, what what do they call that in um, Spanish? Um, the, the quinceanera. Yeah. But like she, she's moved to America and now she's 15 and it's her dealing with uh, cultural changes on the verge of adulthood. Okay. <laughs> 
Okay, I'll just I'll just read the description. Yeah. 2003 Singaporean coming of age black comedy drama film about teenage gangsters in the Singapore suburbs. Huh. Okay, well I got the coming of age. Yep. Which is not horrible but not great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Teenage oh, movie. That's oh, about it. Okay, 27. 27. I like saying 27 randomly. 27 dresses. Oh, okay. I actually know that one. You know that okay. one. Okay. Yeah. Good job. Uh, give me another number. Um, let's try negative 2. Uh, let's see. Uh, no, there are no negative numbers. There are no negative numbers. Okay. Okay. We'll try something else. How about 32? 32. Not a 32. Closest I have is 31. Let's do a 31. Okay. Okay. That's actually just all that's in the name. It's just 31. Just 31. Yeah. From 2016. Do you know this movie? I I have no idea. Okay. Okay. So I think 31 is about, it's post-apocalyptic and they have lost calendars and they're making the thirteenth month, and they're trying to, put, and it's the thirty-first, and then they're living the thir- first thirty-first, thirty-one days of a month after the creation of a new kingdom. Wow, <laughs> that's uh, that's very involved. Yes, I, I'm almost positive that's what this is. I'm gonna say it is about a basketball player whose jersey number is thirty-one. That actually and, makes more sense. And who like dies in a tragic accident. Oh, and his team mem- memorializes him by like retiring his jersey number. Okay, let's do that. Let's see what it actually is about. Uh, American horror film written, directed, by, and produced by Rob Zombie. Okay. Uh, period piece set in 1976. Film was about five carnies who are kidnapped by a gang of clowns called the Heads and forced to play a survival game called Thirty One, where they are chased by the clowns through a maze of rooms over twelve hours. The penalty for capture being torture and murder, while bets are placed on their progress. You know, we never mentioned that. There's actually horror and numbers probably actually have a lot of overlap. Probably, I don't horror understand horror game. genre a lot well, of times, yeah. like in that case. But you know, you know, whatever. Let's do an easy one. Let's do seven. Give us a seven that we not heard of before. Okay. Okay, so we'll skip the normal ones like Seven Samurais. Uh, seven Days, Seven Nights, or whatever. And yeah. Or just Seven. <laughs> Here There's we one go. called Just Seven. Oh, just, just Seven? No, 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 don't. There is one. Oh, yeah, but yeah. It's like, Okay, so not that one. Yeah. Um, how about 7.35 in the morning? 7.35 in the morning? Yeah. Okay. You go first on this one. Okay. That is the time when uh, the main character... Hits the snooze button for the final time, and instead of the alarm going off, it continues beeping at a fast pace, and he realizes that it's actually wired to a bomb that uh, launches him off on a cross-country run for his life from a group of assassins that are trying to kill him through explosive means. For some reason, these assassins only want to kill him with a bomb. I feel like when you again have a podcast where we just make up something and spend 15 minutes like writing the, the like the summary of it uh-huh. and sell it. <laughs> okay, 7.37? 7.35. In 7.35 in the morning. I think this is an artsy film, um, slice of life, showing 12 different people the first five minutes from 7.35 to 7.40 of their morning on an important day August 1st, 1983. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's find out what 735 is actually about. It's a 2003 Spanish short film. Okay, artsy. Good, I got that. Yeah, artsy. Eight minutes long, black and white, depicts a Spanish woman encountering a strange singing man in a coffee shop one morning. The man turns out to be a suicide bomber who professes his love you through the words right of the song. You were right, too. That is wild. <laughs> Okay. Oh, I kind of want to see that now. That is fascinating. Short film. So anyway. I feel like we need a podcast, too, where we just watch a lot of short films and, like, talk about them, like, right, like immediately after. <laughs> All right. Let's do We're gonna do one more, but okay. give, give me a big number. A this big time. number. Yeah. 1,374 and a half. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, how about, how about um, no. 2048? 2048. Oh, you're... Oh, wow. No, there actually is a 2048. Yeah, I figured there would be. Oh, you know this one. No. I just no? figured it's a, it's one of those, uh, it's a multiple of two if you power. Oh, uh, okay. This one's called 2048 Nowhere to Run. Nowhere to Run. Okay, it's a good t- 2017 short. It's a short film, apparently. 2048 Nowhere to Run. It feels like this has to be some futuristic, like... Fugitive kind of fugitive thing. Fugitive sort of thing. Like maybe robots have become sentient and they have decided that anyone who 
I'm gonna go. No, no, I won't go. I won't go ridiculous. <laughs> but they've decided that um, they start taking over town by town, slowly across Italy, <laughs> <laughs> wiping things out, and they just keep running. I don't know. I'm just going. Go uh, I'll just go with go with that. And actually, you're not too far off. It's a neo noir science fiction short film acting as a prequel to Blade Runner 2049. Oh, and the sequel to a short film 2036, Nexus Dawn. So there would be robots running around. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty close actually. So nice. Good, okay, good guess. And I just want to mention one of my favorites from this list. Um, not that I've seen it, but I'm, I found it and I was fascinated by it. The Five Thousand Fingers of Doctor T. I've seen that. Have you really? It's a it's a, like a Doctor Seuss movie. Yeah, I, I read that. and I was like, this is fascinating. Listen to this. Listen to this description, folks. Yeah, it's, is... I, I was young, and it was very weird. Yeah, it's a, an American musical fantasy film about a boy who dreams himself into a fantasy world ruled by a diabolical piano teacher, enslaving children to practice piano forever. Yeah, I, that I, is amazing. And the fact that it was like Dr. Seuss was involved, just even crazier to me. I don't remember much about it, but that it was trippy. That's what that's what my memories are of it. Well, you know, I'd like to see it again because talking about oddball, weird stuff, it stuck my brain forever. Yeah, like when we talked about last yeah. time. You know, and some of those, I mean, that makes some sense to me because some of those Dr. Seuss animated things could get really weird. Mm-hmm. I've only seen parts of it. But there's like the one uh, Grinch thing about him, like a Halloween Grinch thing, and it was like has lots of trippy, trippy animation. Hmm, in it. I don't remember that. Anyway, okay. So anyway, we went a little long there with, uh, but it's kind of fun to have a smorgasbord second half. Yes, just to just have fun and throw a lot of things we haven't done in for a while. The more the merrier. The sometimes. more the merrier, exactly. It all adds up. So, <laughs> we, we, sorry, we've already done pun times. <laughs> You're getting recursive here. Um, <laughs> so we'll finish up with well, first Tim, tell the listeners, our our lovely listeners who are hanging on every word, how they can find more episodes and contact us well you can find more episodes all of our episodes are at dear old trains of thought.blogspot.com um, you can also leave us a comment there um, let us know how many ways you enjoyed this episode uh, count the ways i would like actually uh here's your challenge for the week or month i guess tell us email us or send us an audio clip to uh, derailed trains at gmail.com of your favorite movie or book that has a number in its title. Ooh, We'd like to hear go. some of those. You know, if you've seen The 5,000 Fingers of Dr. T, or you've watched some other, you know... 101 Dalmatians. Yeah, exactly. 102 <laughs> Dalmatians. Sure. Oh, let, we'd love to hear know. from you. Yeah. And what's your favorite number, even? <laughs> yes, what is your... I say 27 a lot. Like, this has become my favorite number. Oh, really? I, I honestly couldn't say right now. Uh... Actually, I do like 11. You like 11? Um, partly because I was born on 11 11. I, I so. was born on 27th. I didn't even realize that. Uh, like when I first started saying 27, but I think that must be subconsciously. Oh, I think a lot of people, the, their birthday becomes a favorite number, even though. In some ways. I mean, I never thought about that until just now, except, yeah, I'm fond of 11 11, at least. So, <laughs> uh, side tangents. You can also find all our episodes on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher and Spotify. And join us for the weekly hijack, where currently we are going, th- we have re- picked up our watch through of lost yes well actually, starting I, soon starting soon i think uh, i'm gonna, i'm aiming to get those episodes out in september so hopefully very shortly after this episode comes out you'll hear us go into season three of lost we've already covered seasons one and two way back when so if you dig through the weekly hijack you'll find us uh talking about those episodes and so tim i think i think maybe we'll hang out here and see what our guests or what our host likes to do besides count if anything uh, that's hard to believe. He, he hasn't he hasn't stopped counting this entire time we've been here. Yeah, I guess that's pretty wonderful. Although I, honestly, I hear some really nice organ music upstairs, oh. and so that that could be cool too. I like that. All right, we'll finish up with uh, my soundtrack, which is from a game called Threes, which is a puzzle game where you combine numbers into multiples of three. This is a uh, iOS game. Yes, I think my, our first remix from a smartphone game, if I remember right. Yes, I, I think you're right. It is remixed from the game Threes. It's called Reactive and is remixed by Timaeus22. Lots of fun numbers here. Actually, in OC Remix, this is remix number 3333. It is. It is a very number oriented thing. I almost picked a song from Seven Songs for Seventh Saga. They have an album, but this was better. I bow to your superior knowledge of OC Remix. Thank you. 10 <laughs> <laughs> 4. <Ten-four. laughs>
<laughs> Good buddy. <laughs> All right. Thanks, folks, uh, for listening. Until next time, this is Tim. This is Nick. Bye-bye. Toodaloo. we